Hey, everybody, you made it. Welcome to Bills by the Numbers, presented by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Coming up, the selection of Dalton Kincaid has the potential to shift the identity of the Bills' offense. How so? We take our best stab at it. USA Today's Doug Farrar joins us as we discuss two tight end history and success in the league. And Steve is quizzed on tight end draft history in the numbers game. Who's flexed out, Steve or me? Pleasure to have you with us. This is Bills by the Numbers. Bills Wall of Famer Steve Tasker, Bills Insider Chris Brown with you. And we're taking a look at Buffalo's offense, year two under Ken Dorsey. And while there are some intriguing new weapons in Deontay Hardy and Trent Sherfield, there are many who believe the team's top pick, Dalton Kincaid, is more likely than any of them to alter the identity of the Bills' passing game this fall. First and foremost, Steve, do you agree with that opinion, that Kincaid is the player who could shift the offensive paradigm? Yes, because he is a guy that would change the matchups that the defense would deem worthy. I mean, the defense are going to see the Bills' offense as different if they put two tight ends or Dalton Kincaid on the field. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to match up with somebody. Uh, he catches the ball. He's got elite hands. Uh, he is at his size becomes a problem because if they face up with him on a, with a corner, his size is an issue for that guy. No matter who it is, there's just no there are no six four corners around. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's going to be a problem for him. Whether they do it with a linebacker, whether they do it with a corner, whether they do it with a safety, it's all going to force the defense to adjust, and those adjustments are where they'll become vulnerable. I believe that while I am intrigued to see. What roles Trent Sherfield and Deontay Hardy, who are other new additions, play in this offense? I, I don't see them as much more than role players. I think Kincaid, while we may not see it right away, has the potential to be a top two passing game weapon in the scope of this offense. And so I think because of the anticipated role that he will fill, even if not right away, but eventually in time here, yeah, I, I kind of do share that opinion. Yeah. I think he could alter the identity of this offense. I think one of the reasons he does is because, like, Sherfield or Hardy, um, those guys are just kind of more of the same kind of offense that the Bills have been running over the last three years. They're more of the same. Kincaid changes it a little more fundamentally and, and will make the offense appear different. Uh, pre-snap particularly yeah and I think that's the one thing that he'll alter it and have more of an effect than those other guys would it, it, with Sherfield and Hardy you're kind of taking out one part and putting another part just like it in mm-hmm. uh, no matter just change the names uh, Kincaid's not that yeah we've heard Brandon Bean explain that Kincaid will be the F tight end or the flexed out tight end while Dawson Knox will be more the traditional Y tight end attached to the line. Some people believe this will reduce Knox's involvement in the passing game even more. And we've heard Bills fans on our daily show, One Bills Live, basically say, well, they don't target the tight end enough at all to begin with when they had only Knox. So now there's this concern that Knox's involvement in the passing game will be almost non-existent. 
So where do you come down on that? Do you think Kincaid's addition dramatically impacts Knox's involvement in the passing game? Um, maybe. It may be one more guy that they spread out the targets to. Um, but, you know, when Dalton Kincaid comes into the game, somebody's got to come off. So uh, the net gain or loss will be on Dalton Kincaid, not so much on Dawson Knox or anybody else. And it'll be on, you know, Ken Dorsey a little bit. But I don't think it'll be significant enough to where, you know, Dawson Knox is going to be felt like you're going to feel like he's replaceable. Um, and plus, even if he does get fewer targets, there's still plenty of room for him to be at least as impactful as he has been in the past years because, you know, you know, catch ratios uh, and all of that stuff, plus the fact that, you know, he's going to get more favorable matchups. He may There may be some games where he isn't, in fact, more impactful than he's been in the past. Yeah, I would tend to – I think there's a misnomer as to what Dawson Knox's role has been in this offense. I think they – people lament this – that oh, he doesn't get enough targets. He should be more involved. All I'm going to say is this. I think you have to look at Dawson Knox as more of a touchdown target, not a volume-receiving target. And if you do that – you're going to be pretty happy with what you see. Right. The guy had nine touchdown receptions two seasons ago in 2021. Uh, I don't think he had quite that many this past year, but he did have five touchdowns in five of his last six games, counting the playoffs. The right. guy is a red zone touchdown scoring target, and I think you have to conti- I think you have to look at him now that way more than ever with Kincaid in the lineup. I think Kincaid is going to be the volume target. But I don't think it takes away from Dawson Knox being a touchdown target in the scope of this offense. In fact, I think it enhances his ability to be a touchdown target because you get down there in the red zone, you want to go 12 personnel, two tight ends. Now you got a six, three and a half Dalton Kincaid who runs like a deer and can get separation. And you got Dawson Knox who you can post up somewhere, anywhere in the end zone and still throw it to him. So to me, I think it makes it better. If you understand who Dawson Knox is in this offense, which for me, in my opinion, is a touchdown target, not a volume target. Yeah, they're. <clears throat> I think they're, at, at the very least, they're tweaking an offense that's already very, very good. And I don't think they're going to throw everything out uh, to make room for just 12 personnel. Um, they were extremely effective offensively last year. Certainly, they're, t- they're playing in a tough league, and there were times when teams made it tough on them, and it was a heavy lift. But they were still extremely effective. Yeah, I would consider, I would expect them to be that effective, if not more so, than that this year. Knowing traditionally, in the McDermott era, how much the Bills take their time in putting rookies on the field, make them earn it, if you will. Do you think that Kincaid could be an exception to that rule, knowing that the rest of the of the division has closed the gap on Buffalo, and and maybe there is this greater need to diversify the offense, and Kincaid would seem to be the best way to do that. I don't think – I think that's up to Kincaid a little bit, and it's also up to Hardy and Sherfield as well. I think what will happen is they're going to put their best guys on the field, and if Kincaid's one of them, he'll be out there. It's up to him to prove that in training camp in the preseason. If Sherfield proves that he's out there, if Hardy proves that he's out there instead of Kincaid, mm-hmm. um, or get a, instead of Gabe Davis or who, whatever – They'll, they're going to find their best players and their most effective matchups and put those guys on the field. And con- 
when you get a good team that has the depth that Buffalo has, you will find times when they will, it will rotate as to who's on the field the most during a game because of the defense they're playing and the personnel they field. If the Bills feel they've got a better matchup in one personnel group, you can bet that Kincaid will be out there or Hardy or Sherfield will be out there. I don't think – I'm not going to get caught up in saying all of a sudden, you know, we're going to run 12 personnel and, you know, going from last in the league to running it to first in the league. I'm just saying this. The best offensive combination that gets the most consistently against the most opponents is going to be the one we see. Yeah. And Dalton Kincaid's going to have to earn his way into that. I agree with that. I'm trying to look at the recent history, and obviously it took a long time for Khalil Shakir and for James Cook to get respectable playing time on offense. It took until the second half of the season and even the latter stages of the second half of the season before we saw appreciable snap counts for Cook and Shakir, who I think by the end of the season – proved they were more worthy of playing time than people like Devin Singletary and Isaiah McKenzie. And it's no secret, neither of those guys are here. So why did that not happen sooner, I think is a question a lot of Bills fans have, and I don't think they want to be asking that question about Dalton Kincaid in Week 10 or 12. If the guy can make a difference, you got to put him on the field. The Chiefs had to do that last year on the defensive side of the ball chiefly, no pun intended, and they had to start three rookies in their secondary. They took some lumps early, but by the end of the season, those guys were making plays that changed the course of playoff games and helped propel them to a Super Bowl. I just think the Bills are getting to that point, too, where they're going to have to lean on some younger players maybe more than they have in the past if they want to get to where they want to get as a team. Yeah, they had had some real success signing veteran free agents and leaning on those guys uh, in the crunch. Cole Beasley, John Brown, for yes. two, two prominent uh, examples. I think you're right. I think they're getting to the point now where they're going to – I don't think they're going to pivot completely, but they're going to give those guys a chance. And I think because of the roster, because of the finances of the league, where their salary cap has been, the guys who ha- they have uh, developed and drafted – and now had to pay, cheap labor is a real thing. And I think these guys that they're bringing in on these draft classes may be pressed into service a little faster than they otherwise would have. Uh, but I don't know that that's set in stone yet. Uh, they still continue to sign guy, a lot of guys to yeah. one-year deals. I mean, look at their defensive line uh, and where they stand with their contracts. Uh, so I'm – you could make that argument that maybe it's time, and we've always thought that the Bills were maybe a year behind where the Chiefs are in their build or in, in their kind of their roster development and where their evolution of that roster is and how the finances go with all the guys and the stars that they have to pay and the guys that they wish they could pay. So I think maybe they will at some point get to that place where, you know what, we got no choice. we got to play more of these rookies or this particular rookie is going to get a better shot than we have been able to give in the past. Once again, though, I think it all comes down to the football that they play in between the lines. And that's true. They're not going to put a guy out there that's not ready. It's always coaches' number one concern is can I trust the player? Yeah. And the player has to prove to the coach that they can be trusted. But I think also what has to be factored in is does this player, when they are on the field, make our 
offense more potent, our defense more successful, whatever the phase of the game you're talking about is, do they make us better? Yes. Put them on the field. Like, for me, that's where I kind of come down on it. Finally, can we take anything from the two tight end offenses of the past, Steve, and believe there's enough evidence that a 12 personnel identity, if the Bills choose to go that way, can be successful? Again, I don't think they're going to go that far, and I think I'm getting the sense you don't believe that the Bills are going to go that far either. They're an 11 personnel team at their core, and with the success they've had in recent years, there's no reason to change that. But knowing this could be something you could shift gears into, is there enough evidence in the history of the league with some of these two tight end historical teams, you know, Chamura and um, Keith Jackson or Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz or Gronk and Hernandez. Gronk and Hernandez. Is there enough evidence out there that this is something worth shifting to if you feel you can get get up on an opponent with a matchup situation? Sure, yes, but here's the thing. We all see, yeah, great. It's, you know, Dalton Kincaid comes in and he can run routes like a receiver. He's doing great. But the, the only difference is what the defense sees them as. And the 12 personnel, the, it automatically comes down to this. Do you run the ball better when the defense says, okay, we're treating Dalton Kincaid as a wide receiver. We're putting a corner on him. Yeah, so, we got- so we're going to do that. Well, then can you, can you make them pay for that decision offensively? Can you hand the ball off and steamroll a team who goes light against a two-tight end set? That's the real question. Because it's, if, if you're putting Dalton Kincaid out there, it's because he can, you, it's because he can throw it. You can throw it, and you can make hay moving the football through the air with him in there mm-hmm. with a defense that decides they're going to go heavy. Well, if they can go light and still and defend the pass better, and then you can't run the ball on them, well, then you don't what have do you gain? Advantage. What do you gain? Then you're going to go light, and you're going to go four wides and see if they can go deep enough in their corner rotation to stay up with you, that kind of thing. So th- it comes down to are you unpredictable enough in 12 personnel and effective enough on both sides of that coin, the run and the pass, to scare them into going heavy against Dalton Kincaid and Dawson Knox and James Cook in the backfield? Or or do you scare them enough in that that they go heavy and you can exploit them with the pass, or do you not scare them enough with that? I don't think it will be the identity of their offense. I think it is something that they can turn to in a given week against a given opponent And so I think it diversifies. It will be a bigger way for them to diversify their offense. If there's anywhere that I feel 12 personnel can be the Bills' identity offensively, I think it's going to be in the red zone. I could see 12 personnel being a red zone calling card for the Bills, but I don't think overall it's going to be their offensive identity. Yeah, why would they Why would they completely throw out that 11 personnel identity that they had that's been yeah. so successful? Even right, last right. year, and I know the, those seasons have never, have never ended up with a Lombardi trophy, but man, oh man, you're not going to... They're track-meeting people. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're, yeah, they're gutter-stomping people. Yeah. And so they, they're not going to completely abandon what they have done so well until teams can prove that they simply will not let him do that. I, and nobody's been able to do that. Yeah. Nobody. To flesh out this conversation a little bit more, we welcome in a guy who knows league history, scheme history, and is very high 
on the Bills pick of Dalton Kincaid. It's USA Today senior NFL editor Doug Farrar joining us right now. As you know, Doug, the Bills, because I know you track this stuff, the Bills were at the bottom of the league in number of plays run out of 12 personnel, just 38 on the season in true 12 personnel, according to True Media Networks, were just over 3.5% of their total offensive plays. So we know 12 personnel traditionally leaves space vertically and outside. Does Dalton Kincaid's addition in your mind, present matchup problems in both of those voids on the field? Oh, absolutely. Uh, Kincaid presents matchup issues all over the field. And Brandon Bean said um, after the pick that this is the kind of guy who can force defenses into things they don't want to do. He he specified nickel in the, the presser after Kincaid was taken, but it's really anything. And uh, Bills fans know this because you have to deal with the Chiefs. Um, the Bills ran, by the way, a lot of uh, trips right last year. And probably the most indefensible formation in the NFL over the last couple of years is when the Chiefs have three receivers to the right and a speed guy inside the inside slot and Travis Kelsey as the Y ISO yeah, on, the back um, on the other side of that formation. Um, my cop for Kincaid was Travis Kelsey. He has a lot of the same attributes. Bean also talked about how he gets to the top of the route and is able to separate, um, which made uh, Kincaid was specifically, I mean, when he was facing zone coverage, no one could deal with him. So he has the, I'm not going to say he's Travis Kelsey, who is a first ballot lock Hall of Famer when he's done, but he has a lot of those same attributes. And I find it really interesting that, you know, they gave Dawson Knox that big contract last year. Uh, I think he's, you know, he's a top 10 paid tight end. And now they move up in the draft right after the Giants took Deontay Banks at 24. They got on the phone with the Jaguars like, okay, we're moving up. We have to get this guy. So it's not just Dalton Kincaid. It's that the Bills are doing kind of a sea change in their whole offensive philosophy, which I think is good for a lot of reasons. Yeah, and we were talking earlier that I think it's kind of unlikely that they're going to throw 11 personnel to the wayside because it's been so successful for them. But they did run, like, they almost ran zero 12 personnel last year. Not zero, but less than anybody else. And I would say maybe they're going to evolve away from that depending on what defenses see in the 12 personnel. How do most defenses react to two tight ends? Well, it depends on the tight ends. I mean, you know, like the Packers uh, took two tight ends, one in the second, one in the third. So they're going to, you know, define their offense around that. Um, it creates problems because if you have two guys and the Bills do now in Kincaid and Knox who can line up in line and then separate to the slot and can both play outside. Now it's like, okay, you're you're pointing at, you know, each other on defense and saying, all right, uh, linebacker, go cover him, or he's motioning outside. Uh, okay, the safety takes him. Now the corner takes him. If you're in zone, and it's why Kincaid was so good in zone, when he's moving around that formation pre-snap and he's not where you expect, um, it's a real problem. So now in Knox and Kincaid, the Bills have two guys who can present those issues. And it's different with tight ends than it is with receivers, as you guys know, because if he's in line, well, maybe he's blocking. You don't really look at that with most receivers. I mean, you know, to any, to any large degree. So in this case, you have two guys who can block decently. I mean, that's not why you get a, a Kincaid. It's not why you pay Dawson Knox that much, 
but tight ends create specific matchup issues for defenses. And when they start to move around and start to do different things in the formation, it changes the rules. And then all of a sudden on defense, instead of just being able to go, you have to think, you have to hesitate. You can't really react the way you want. And that's why these kinds of tight ends, the Kelsey's and the Gronkowski's and, you know, all those guys over the years have been so effective. Yeah. We've got, We've gotten feedback from Bills fans who are genuinely concerned that the extension for Knox will not get the bang for its buck because his volume of targets are going to go down with Kincaid in the lineup. But, but Doug, I've never seen Knox as a volume target per se. For me, I see him as more of a touchdown target for the Bills. Yes. Which brings me to my next question, which is 12 personnel – in the red zone for the Bills, I think could be a very good calling card for them going forward now with Kincaid and Knox. How do you kind of see that taking shape for them down in that area of the field specifically? Yeah, if you guys are familiar with Cameron Bray, who was the Buccaneers for a while, I mean, he wasn't, he didn't blow you away, but in the red zone, he was just a touchdown magnet. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, certain guys just have that ability. Um, and when, you, when you're 12 personnel in the red zone, again, Specific attributes, tight ends, they're bigger guys. They're just, they're taller, they're wider. They understand how to, it's, you know, so many basketball players have been great tight ends. They know how to body people out subtly in short zones to not get that flag. They know how to win at the high catch point. They will just beat you up. You can't, you know, the ideal tight end is someone who is, too big for a corner or a safety to cover and too fast for a linebacker to cover. That's the profile you want. I think Kincaid fits that. And whether he's a volume target, I don't know. I mean, the Bills are going to throw the ball a lot. They're going to throw the ball to a lot of people. So volume is a relative thing, but I think, you know, especially in the red zone, as you said, that's where the value of those types of guys really pays off. I mean, I was watching Michael Mayer who went to the Raiders in the second round and I mean, on t- he's not athletically impressive. He's not going to, whoa, he's so explosive. Look at him. But in the red zone, that guy's just, he's creeping death because you can't cover him. Yeah. So, and uh, last time I checked, it is important to score touchdowns in the National Football League. So, yeah, I, I would worry more about scoring than volume. What do you think the ideal ratio is? And I know it's all about attri- specific attributes. We haven't even seen Dalton Kincaid, you know, take the field in an NFL game yet. You know, what is the, if you look around the league, who seems to get that right, that mix between 12 personnel and 11 personnel? um, And why is it that some teams can get it and other teams, even if they draft guys left, you know, right and left, they can't get it right? I think you have to know what, I mean, this applies to anything, any, any player at any position. You have to match your scheme to your personnel i really like what the chiefs did with their tight ends last year they were second behind the ravens and 12 personnel they led the league in 13 personnel with three tight ends that's not what you think of when you think of the kansas city chiefs yeah. but they had kelsey they had noah gray they had these guys that could sort of move around and do different things and it wasn't just um you know aligned or slot or you know they would do the chris cooley style h-back thing with different guys and it just it's it's putting people in different positions so now you've got i mean think about this you put kincaid is the y iso on the left side you have trips right which the bills run a ton like i said so what if knox is one of the slot guys i mean what and and bean doesn't i mean he compared kincaid to cole beasley 
And and Kincaid is like three times the size of Cole Beasley, but it, it was, you know, winning at that the top of the route and things like that. So I think with the Bills, I think that statement from Bean kind of set a tone of, well, we don't really necessarily think of them as tight ends or receivers, they're targets, they're opportunities for Josh Allen. So I think the Bills are really trying to blur the line between this position and that. Yeah, kind of like a tight receiver. So with that in mind, Doug, this is my last question that I got for you, and it might be a little misguided in light of what you just said, but we know there's been a long history of teams that have employed two tight end groupings as a significant part of their offensive identity, whether it's Chamura and Jackson with the Packers in the 90s, Gronk and Hernandez, Ertz and Goddard, Witten and Fasano in Dallas. I mean, we can run down the list. Hayden Hurst and Mark Andrews, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Some have had more success than others, clearly. Which of those tight end combinations do you believe Knox and Kincaid could most resemble? I think I would bring up, and they're not, Gronk and Kincaid are not the same types of players, but I think in the way they're utilized. Um, there was a little bit of time with the Buccaneers where you had Rob Gronkowski and Cameron Bray. And Bray and Knox are very similar, as we discussed. Gronk was more the volume target, the kill zone coverage guy. Um, I would also point to the Chiefs. Everyone with the Chiefs loves Noah Gray. Like, no one knows who he yeah. is, but they just love him. That's why they ran so much 12 and 13, because they had him. And obviously, you have Kelsey, who's one of the best tight ends ever. Um, the Ertz Goddard thing could be a little informative, although neither one of these guys are really blockers. You know, it, it, it through time, you know, like Gronk and Hernandez, then Hernandez was the explosive guy and Gronk was one of the blockers. And Gronk is one of the best blocking tight ends ever. People don't right. talk about that. So um, I would say the, the one that comes up really in my mind right away is that Gronkowski and Bray, where you have one guy who could just win all over the field, and then you have one guy who's really the, the the red zone focus. And I think maybe some of the problem with drops with Knox last year, maybe they were asking to do too much for his for his skill set, which is considerable. His skill set is, I'm not you know denigrating the player, but then you're bringing Kincaid, and Kincaid can take some of the, the pressure off Knox so maybe it would be like, you know, asking Cameron Bray to do too much. Then you bring in Gronk, and it's like, okay, that's a totally different story. Doug, that's all good stuff. Really appreciate your time today. Thanks. Always a pleasure, guys. Thank you. Good conversation there with Doug. Hey, we are brought to you by FanDuel, an official partner of the Buffalo Bills. Download the app today and make every moment more. The app is easy and simple to use with generous promotions offered every day, safe and secure with the best-in-class best in customer service, and your winnings paid out in as little as two hours. We pivot now to the numbers game, where we test Steve's mental processes. And this time we dive into Bill's tight end draft history, NFL tight end draft history at large. No shot at this. Well, I think I, I try to steer these questions in a direction where you at least have a fighting chance, Steve. As you know, Dalton Kincaid taken in the first round by the Bills with the 25th pick. He was the only tight end taken in round one this spring. So we are quizzing you on tight ends who were taken in round one. 2021, Steve, was the last time a tight end was taken in round one. It also marked the highest a tight end has ever been taken in the draft. Can you name that tight end? Kyle Pitts. There you go. Look at that. A layup right out of the gate, one for one. He was also the only 
tight end taken in, in the first round in 2021. Question number two. In 2019, two tight ends came off the board in round one. One was taken by the Lions with the eighth pick before the Bills took Ed Oliver. And then at pick 20, the Denver Broncos took the other. Can you name either one of those uh, tight ends? TJ Hawkinson. That would be correct, Steve. Very well done. You want to take one, a stab at the, the other, other one? one? Denver Broncos. Broncos took. I can't get that one. He is no longer on that team. I can't he was part of the Russell Wilson trade last year. Oh, yeah, now he's in Seattle, and I couldn't. I can't tell you his name. Noah Fant. Noah Fant. That's, That's his correct. name. Yeah, that, that rings a bell. Both of those guys. Both those guys are Iowa guys, right? Was Noah Fant out of? Yeah, yes, they were both correct. out of Iowa that's too. Correct. Hawkinson and Fant, mm-hmm. both first rounders in the same year. That's that's a calling card for the Hawkeyes. Yeah. Question number three. In 2018, the Baltimore Ravens picked a tight end with the same exact pick as the Bills had this year, number 25 overall. He was a South Carolina Gamecock. Steve, can you name? That tight end, Baltimore Ravens, 2018 draft, first round pick. Is that Anderson? Not Anderson. What was his name? No, I can't. What? It, it, you were. I think you're trying. You're thinking of Mark Andrews. That's right. It is not him. All right. I could not. <laughs> it's I the other know. guy. I do not know any of those guys. What? You don't remember when they? Remember when they went three tight ends on the field all the time, and they had two pass catchers. Andrews was one. Andrews was one. This guy was the other. Hayden Hurst is his name. Then went down, I believe, to Atlanta, and now and then with Cincinnati last year. Right. And now he's somewhere else. I, didn't even, I can't even remember where he signed. Question number four. In 2017, Steve. Oh, my gosh. There were three tight ends who went in the first round. One went to Tampa Bay. Another went to the Giants. And the last went to the Browns. One of them actually spent an offseason on the Bills roster. Can you name any one of them? That was O.J. Howard. There you go. There's one. The the Giants, uh, no, the Tampa Bay guy. That was the Tampa Bay guy. Yes. Who's the other one? The other two teams? Giants and the Browns. Can you name all of the three first-round tight ends in the 2017 NFL draft? No, I got O.J. Howard. That's the only one I can The other one, I'll give you the initials of (laughs) these two other players. One of them is E.E., and the other is D-N. E-E? Yeah. A little alliteration there. I have no idea. He was an athletic guy. Ole Miss. No. <laughs> Steve is just waving the white flag I'm, fast I'm, Yeah, I'm not going to. I'm not going to. No. That is Evan Ingram. Okay. And the other guy is still with the Browns. David Njoku. Oh, wow. Yeah. So those were the three tight ends taken in round one. All right. You did okay wow, there. You got to. Yeah. I, once I get past I the, more yeah. than two years in the in the past, forget it. Or is is, well, that, is that the Howard. rule of thumb? You did get O.J. Howard. I, so that he was, was good. The guy, that's, he's the guy. That's, that's why I only asked for one out of the three. He's the guy that soured me on taking tight, you know, the next big thing at tight end. Yeah. Well, he was the next big thing. Let's hope so Dalton was, Kincaid changes your mind again. <laughs> so was Pitts. So was the guy Pitts down in Atlanta. Same thing. I mean, he's a good player. Yeah, he had a good season. Uh, but it's hard, man. That That's a hard position to exploit. Time for us to dive into our one burning question. What do we believe, Steve, is a realistic catch total for Dalton Kincaid for his upcoming rookie season? 
I think it'll be 40 or fewer catches. 40 or fewer. So you're yeah. taking the under from 40. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, it'll be below that. He's with two tight ends with Steph Diggs and the target ratio and trying to get on the field and get acclimated. Uh, maybe even if he finishes with a flurry. Uh, you know, it's, it's like a couple, three, four catches a game. He may have one game where he has five catches, but he'll have a couple of games where he has none, that kind of thing. Okay. I'm a little bit more optimistic. I had him somewhere between 45 and 50. I kind of see him catching fire down the stretch where they've completely come around to identifying his role in the offense. And I think he will make some plays that will convince them we got to go and we got to utilize this guy more. So I think somewhere around 45 to 50 mm-hmm. is where I come down on Dalton Kincaid. Our closing figure deals with teams that lined up in 12 personnel more than the rest of the league. The top four teams that call play, used, called plays, easy for me to say, utilizing 12 personnel more than any other team were in order one through four, Denver, Green Bay, Seattle, and Kansas City. The team that was last in number of plays in 12 personnel, your Buffalo Bills. They ran just 38 plays in 12 personnel last season, the lowest in the league by far. In fact... They had almost half the number of plays in 12 personnel than the 29th-ranked team in 12 personnel usage, the Rams, who had just 74 plays in two tight end sets. Bills were last um, at 38. The Broncos, Packers, and Chiefs all had over 300 plays in 12 personnel. Pretty wide gap between the top and the bottom of the league, Steve. With Kincaid, I think it's safe to say we all anticipate that figure to go up to some degree. How high? Middle of the pack high? Still bottom third of the league? Middle of the pack would be... That would be a big I jump. That would be a huge jump. So, yeah, I'm, I still think they'll be in the bottom third. Yeah, I tend uh, to agree. Because they're, because they're just too successful doing all the other stuff. Yeah. And I would say as well that even out of 11 personnel, they'll be more effective in the run game with James Cook in the game uh, with his athleticism, uh, both in the throwing and the passing. So, I, you know... There's not going to be any reason for them to scrap the 11 personnel and its effectiveness totally. Mm. In fact, I still think they're going to be an 11 personnel team. Probably. So, uh, yeah, I think the bottom third of the league, just, you know, get into the conversation for having teams like people notice when there's two tight ends on the, on the field. Now, you know, they could catch fire and all of a sudden they become a 12 personnel team, but I would be – really surprised if that happens right I think some people are seeing what the Chiefs did last year very high in 12 personnel usage last year fourth in the league and they say oh maybe the Bills are going to try to do that we shall see that's all for us this time around be sure to subscribe on whatever podcast platform you use so you know when the next episode is up and remember when you need to know about the Bills you need to check Bills by the numbers for Steve Tasker I'm Chris Brown thanks for listening we'll catch you next time everybody